This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Well, it's 5 o'clock. It's Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day, and this is John Katsimatidis. I am in the studio, as I was this morning, 6 o'clock this morning. And uh, Lydia Serrani, my sidekick, is uh, next to me. And in the studio today, we have uh, two, well, one moderate Democrat and, and one, I don't know what he is. Uh, <laughs> Who are you talking about, John? Uh, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, who's a moderate Democrat, and we have former uh, uh, Captain Ed Mamet, former NYPD, retired for about 100 years. Uh, how long have you retired, uh, Captain Mamet? Got to be two inches away from the microphone. 22 years. Can you reach that far? Yes, sir. All right, just check it. And we got a great show for you today. Uh, uh, Lydia, tell us all the people who's going to be on this show. And we had me and you had a great show this morning. We did, and we we didn't have like we didn't have a shortage of topics to talk about. There's so much going on in the world, and we have a brand new show for everyone tonight from five to six. We've got a gr- great lineup of guests. Our first three guests will be on at the same time. We have Sherry Kaufman. She is one of the co-founders of the Kauf. Am I saying it right? Kaufman. Kaufman. Am I saying it right? Kaufman Astoria Studios. She's a successful entrepreneur, a visionary, a global thought leader. She's built a leading network of influencers, investors, and innovators. She is just uh, the modern woman. We have Dr. Merrill Griff. He is the founder and CEO of Sarah Care Senior Solutions, one of the leading authorities on the care of seniors in the United States. And we also have David Webb. He's a presenter, anchor, and journalist, and entertaining entertainer, and he's been informing the public for over 30 years. Then coming up, we'll have Tony Orlando. I mean, you can't celebrate Memorial Day, Veterans Day, anything to do with men and women of service without Tony Orlando. And then, of course, General David Petraeus. He'll talk to us about international affairs. And then we'll also have Congresswoman Nicole Meliotakis and Dr. Peter Mikolos. And also be calling in to find out what's going on in Staten Island at the baseball game in Staten Island. We have uh, Eric Schiffler. And uh, we have uh, Joe Ithia will be calling in from the Bronx to find out what the heck is going on in the Bronx. Is the Bronx still there? Well, who who's on the phone first? Who do we have on the line? We have we have all three. We have all three. We should okay. have Dr. Mel Griff well, and Sherry right. and Sherry, David Webb all together. Sherry Kaufman, I know you for a hundred years, even though we're both thirty nine. Uh, tell us, uh, we tell us, grown up yet? Uh, we're still growing. <laughs> uh, tell us, you 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 be the act as the chairman of the board. Uh, tell us about this organization and how well, it wants please, to help veterans. John. Yeah. Thanks, John. It's great to be with you today. You know, today is a day of remembering and honoring the men and women who bravely have served our nation and sacrificed to secure our freedom. John, I think, you know, all of you that are on here today, we thank them for going in, but we don't reward them properly when they return. And Veterans USA is dedicated to helping veterans live the best lives they can. And one of our missions is to provide a breakthrough program that relieves the crushing and catastrophic burden of post-traumatic stress. You know how bad that is, John. Yeah. So bottom and, line, uh, you, you want to help veterans, and, and you've, you, what percentage of them come back? Instead of giving me the whole script, let me ask you the question. No, it's not a script, but okay. 90%. How, what percentage of them come back with post-traumatic stress? Almost 80% of wow. them come back with post-traumatic stress. And 90% and what, yes. are cured with this program. And, and tell me, give me the short version of, of the program. What does it do? It is a program with therapy, and I'm going to turn you over to, to Dr. Merrill. Griff okay, and I, I just want Webb. the big picture because we the want people picture. to understand it. Absolutely, and how they can get help. Yes. Dr. Merrill. 
David. Hey. Is there a doctor uh, in the house? Is there a doctor uh, in the yes. house? Yes, yes, there Speak is. Up. I'm right here. Thank you, John. So uh, I'm sure everyone's had the experience of deja vu where something triggers a memory. It's a sound, it's an aroma, it's a change in the temperature, it's something. What happens with a veteran with PTS is that that sound, that aroma, that taste, whatever it is, triggers a traumatic memory. And therefore they have panic attacks and they can't function usually in their lives. They can't sleep, they have nightmares. Um, They're really, really suffering. What RTM, the Current Traumatic Memory Therapy, does is in three to five sessions with absolutely no medications, separates out that physical reaction to that, to that trigger so that they no longer have those reactions. The memory is still there. You never take away memories. But that physical reaction goes away. And so we're seeing after three to five sessions, once again, no medication, our veterans are able to sleep. They no longer have panic attacks. They're able to live, you know, quality lives. And they actually are doing much, much better. So we're very excited about this protocol. And what actually happens now? Who pays for the service? Well, actually, a therapist who is certified in the protocol can charge any insurance panel, um, and that includes the Veterans Administration. They can charge for that. So in other so words, talking- uh, the, the veteran themselves don't pay anything. And Correct. Are you certified by the Veterans Administration? Well, you don't get certified by the veterans. Are, are you approved? I mean, whatever the right word is. You know, look, I'm just a layman. I'm just a supermarket approved, guy that, approved. that, so yeah, that owns a radio station. Yeah, that owns a radio station. I mean, if I was a veteran and I came in, I needed your help. I'm not going to pay you, uh, but the, the, but Medicare is going to pay you or the Veterans Administration is going to pay you. Somebody's going to pay you. Someone's going to pay us. And if, and if the, they absolutely cannot pay, I mean, it's one of the reasons we're raising funds um, is we will pay for that therapy for that veteran. We will if pay for that veteran. And uh, are, are you approved by veterans groups or anybody in particular? Well, approved by numerous groups. And we just um, do what we call billing. Uh, under a straight hour of psychotherapy, and the VA will pay for it. Judge Weinberg, what, is, what say you? Well, I've had personal experience with, uh, with a veteran who suffered from post-traumatic stress. Uh, I had a first cousin, I'm uh, much older than I am, one of my mentors, who uh, mm-hmm. went to the Korean War after graduating Harvard Law School. And he came back, and he was never the same. And ultimately... He uh, jumped off the top of his building in, uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, my God. Okay, and, he, and when I say he's one of my mentors, he's the one who taught me how to uh, appreciate classical music and uh, the, the Greek classics. He's a wonderful man, and when he was uh, lucid and, and on his game, nobody was better and kinder, but he never came out of it. So I want to commend all of you for your efforts in this regard because I know what that's like because I observed when he had the breakdowns and he couldn't function and his despair. And it's very important. We owe it to those people who go over there, the women and men who go over there and fight to protect this great country that we treat them with honor, respect, and give them all the support. All right, I just give us, uh, let us know where, if I was a vet and I was listening to this show or if I was somebody and I had a, a person with a problem, how would I get in touch with you? Well, John, I'll tell you what, this is David, and it's about the quietest that another talk show host has ever been on another host show. So <laughs> let me jump in here and give you, give you the nuts and bolts of this. If someone wants to contact us, go to VSUSA.org, Veteran Services USA. That's what that stands for. Yes. VSUSA.org. Click on the Join Us Now tab. You'll see a box. You fill in your information. And the interest, you scroll down, it says RTM. You click that box, hit send, and that gets you in touch with us. It's the most direct way you can do it on a mobile device, on any computer. But, you know, as someone who's, John, over the years, been around a lot of therapies, worked with a lot of organizations, I sit on a number of boards, veterans boards, 
the idea that you have a neurobiological treatment that requires no drugs that result in as high a remission rate of symptoms as 90% is far above other therapies that bring you in the 30 to 40% range. And the thing you want to do is you want to give a veteran a stable foundation from which they can lead their lives. And the remission of symptoms of PTSD is a battle that I've been fighting for a quarter century, not myself personally, but on behalf of others to make sure that we take care of our veterans. Well, David Webb, thank you so much. And all of you, thank you so much. And uh, uh, and thank you for what you're doing for our veterans. And uh, God bless you and God bless America. And uh, let's help as many of our veterans as we can. And we'll, we'll hear from uh, uh, Captain Cap- Mamet later. Okay? Now, are you able to talk? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've seen the post-traumatic stress in the police department when uh, some cops, you know, shot and killed people. And uh, they never got over it. So it's not unique to the military. It's, really? Um, it happens in the NYPD, oh yeah, too. It happens in all police agencies, you know, killing another person. Well, if the other uh, person is guilty, get over it. That's what I say. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, let's move on. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And now, Thank you so much. Thanks, John. And thank you. And now we have Joe Ithia, who's in charge of – he's been in the Bronx for about 100 years. And, uh, and, and he was in charge of economic development in the Bronx and – uh, he worked for Freddie Farrar. He he worked for Con Edison. What else did you do, Joe? I was a youth director. I I did a lot of stuff uh, in my hundred years in in the <laughs> borough of the Bronx, John. Joe uh, Joe Ithier, this is Lydia Serrani. Where did you yeah. grow up in the Bronx? I'm from Bainbridge in Perry. Uh, well, I was uh, raised on 156th Street and Westchester Avenue back in the days. And Back I in the went day. to, uh, 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 wait, wait, uh, how do you say, those were the days, days we, my friends, <laughs> we thought they never end. Go ahead, I, I, I want to say that, uh, a great show yesterday out of that, uh, John, I had sent him, he, he and I were texting the Bill Bratton interview on Texas and we can't forget Texas and Buffalo and all that. I thought that was excellent interview, and he said it like it is. Uh, this morning, as I listened uh, to the program, you and Lydia, I asked my youngest uh, grandson, he's in elementary school, uh, while I was listening, and I said, what does Memorial Day mean to you? And he said, Memorial Day is a day we remember all the soldiers who've died in past wars and recent wars. Wow. At least he knows. God. Yeah, he says, and it is also a day to remember our soldiers who are all over the world. My oldest grandson is serving in the Army for several years now. He's in Asia uh, in whatever mission they have him. He can't communicate with family members, so I, I haven't talked to him in a while. But he's out there. And then he says, it's not about enjoying the picnics and all that. It's about remembering our soldiers wow. who have fought for our country, for freedom. And I thought for an elementary school uh, young man, that was like the greatest thing as he was listening with me uh, uh, your morning uh, radio program. I think that is important that our younger children uh, learn and experience what this weekend is all about. Joe, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg, my friend. How are you? Hey, Judge. I want to tell you the reason your grandson knows this and understands it and appreciates it is because he has a wonderful grandfather who understands it, loves this country, and is a great is a great patriot. And that lesson has to be learned. The problem we're having today is we don't have enough parents and grandparents who take it to themselves to raise the children properly and give them appropriate values. So you're to be commended, and your grandson reflects your values, Joe. Well, I think, uh, Judge, you know, you're 100% right. One of the things that I've said to John over and over, it it upsets me 
this the shootings that go on and and how it destroys uh, a holiday and all the things that continue. I wake up every morning, and John knows, uh, just to see overnight what happened in New York City, and it destroys me. But one of the things I've uh, mentioned to John over and over, it destroys me that where are the parents of these 13, 14-year-old kids? Why are they carrying guns? Why are they carrying knives? All this that's going on, where the parents? We don't do anything to the parents. Then we have our friends in the Bronx that John knows well that don't want to listen to common sense about bail reform. So the kid gets busted, and then he's released. The other day, the district attorney had a whole massive unit put together uh, and arrested. Joe, Joe Ithia, we have a common friend. You introduced me originally, Carl Hasty. He's a very nice man, and he's a very smart man. Why? Why? But he has to stand up against the woke culture because New Yorkers want to be safe, uh, Joe. I agree 100%. And they don't listen. The bail reform in the state of New York is destroying our city. These kids are let go. And then they have a rap sheet of uh, 14 times arrested, uh, 10 times arrested. My God. It's going to continue. When are they going to come to their common sense and listen to people like yourself and others who are with you and myself? When is it going to change? We have to see every day another child uh, shot. This housing project uh, in the South Bronx where they arrested hundreds of gang members with guns and stuff. And by the way, I spoke to uh, Deputy Commissioner uh, Eddie Caban, who you know and I know, and he's been uh, like a family member. They were going to have that big powwow with all the uh, police brats. And I said, Eddie, one of the issues that you have to address is all the cars out there with these paper plates. These guys are illegal. I see them. They take the traffic light. They don't stop at the stop sign. Imagine what you'll find in their trunks and their cars of guns and knives. He said, Joe, thank you. We're making that a hot issue. It's more than just New York. It's the tri-state area, the George Washington Bridge, the way they come in. And these guys, half of them are stolen vehicles. And they're young folks. And, and the other thing that, that we got to decide what to do with, and I am more scared about those motorized bikes and, the, and those bikes going up and down than I'm scared of a, a, a 20-foot truck. I mean, there's, there's no control over those bikes. They have no insurance. They, they, they skip all the red lights. They just keep going and going and going. John, these young people are riding through the streets doing wheelies, pop wheelies. I've been hearing uh, from Eddie the amount of these young people who pop wheelies, turn their bikes over, and get hit by a car. Recently, there were several deaths of these young folks on these motorbikes. That has to be cleared up. Captain Mamet, anything to say about that? Um, yeah, it's a big problem uh, since they have these electric bikes. You know, according to the New York State Vehicle and Traffic Law, to uh, have a, a gasoline engine, you have to be registered with motor vehicles. But these electric bikes don't require that registration, and they move just as fast. They're pretty dangerous. So maybe Albany, instead of passing some of these ridiculous laws that they seem intent on passing on a regular basis, should regulate that and make that registration yeah, required. Let me tell you something. They're trying to destroy our, our, our city. And, and let me, you know, I don't know what else to say, Joe. I'm, you know, we've talked to these people, uh, and they, they don't believe they're doing anything wrong. You know how many people have moved out we talked about this morning? 300,000. 300,000 people. 300,000. Right. That's correct. But what's the point of having these laws if... if- oh. 
I got Tony Orlando on the line. Joe Hill and Talk Mega. Thank you for coming on. Cousin Tony. Is this my cousin Tony Orlando? <laughs> you are. You have raised a zillion dollars for veterans already, and, and and you work so hard for the veterans. Tell tell everybody the quick story about how you started raising money for veterans. Well, I started 1973 with Bob Hope, John. I was invited to the Cotton Bowl to sing Yellow Ribbon, and Yellow Ribbon was only out literally. I'm not kidding. A week. It wasn't a hit yet, but Bob Hope kind of knew instinctively that it w- would work for this event because we were welcoming home our POWs from Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. And believe me when I tell you, their eyes hadn't even adjusted to daylight yet. It's truly, they were only home two weeks. And all of you in that studio know, and all of you at home know how terribly they were tortured. And 70,000 people showed up for that show. And I went out on stage, and I sang Yellow Ribbon. That was the opening act. And to this day, this is one of the greatest. It changed my life, honestly, John, because I saw 590 of the bravest men I had ever met in my life singing the chorus to this song. And the reason they knew it was because John, uh, Bob Hope, you know, he had such an influence on the military. He sent it to their commander, and they learned the song. And here I am singing this song, 70,000 people singing the chorus, and it changed my life. And I said to myself, you know, from now on, every show I do, everything I do will be for veterans and for our POWs. And it, quite frankly, I've reunion with them for 50 straight years. And in fact, I'm hosting their 50th anniversary next year at the Nixon Library because I was with them the day they got home, the weeks I got home, and I'm going to enjoy that 50th anniversary with them, John, really. Well, that, that, that is wonderful. And, and tell us, you know, I spoke to Colonel Jack Jacobs this morning, uh, and I was on the board of the uh, 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 Medal of Honors recipients uh, board, right. and, and a few years ago, and there was about 90 or 100 of them. You know they're down to 67, uh, Tony? No, I know. And when I had them in Branson, when I opened my theater in Branson in 1994, I had Bob Hope come in as a favor to me, God bless him, rest his soul, to turn on the lights uh, for our first veterans show. And he met with them. And when I look at now at the Medal of Recipient, we had almost 200 of them there. Jay Vargas from San Diego, who is who's a recipient, as you know, John, because you're very close to the Medal of Honor recipients, was my co-host. And Bob Hope was next to me. And, there, and I think with the, it dwindled down to 60. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And, 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 and you know, and, and our vets coming back, and we've talked to uh, – Frank Siller at uh, Tunnels of Tower today, and he's doing a, a tremendous job in, in helping vets. And, and we just talked to some other doctors that want to be able to help them with post-traumatic stress. Um, what else do you see happening right now? Well, post-traumatic stress, I think, is a very important part of where we should put our efforts, John, really. You know, when you're talking about suicide, I lost a brother to suicide. It is the most horrific thing you could ever go through as a relative or friend. It happens to be with Freddie Prince. And it's happening to our young soldiers who are doing it every day. We're losing somebody to suicide. Something very important has to be done. Some kind of understanding that's way beyond my knowledge. But something has to be done for them. They have to be comforted. You know, we have to put our veterans in a place. But when they come home, they're the kings. They come home kings. I believe we should, we should treat them with as, you know, we're, we're willing to uh, welcome home sports stars and movie stars in such a dramatic way. And yet, I don't see that happening with veterans in the same manner. They should not worry about anything. Frank has done the right thing. He has homes built for them, lives that they can live, you know, and with the decency of being able to sit in a wheelchair and not ask somebody to go reach up for the sink. No, he has that I-butt wheelchair that stands him up. 
and he can get it himself. There's nothing like being able to do it yourself. So we have to follow his lead. I think he's a great leader that we should all go to, listen to, and and uh, and follow his advice. Well, I, you know what I Judge? think, uh, Tony. It's Richard Weinberg. Uh, you you were very fortunate to have that relationship with Bob Hope. I remember as a young man watching Bob Hope doing his tours. He would go into the battle ships. He would be out there in every war, and he rallied other Hollywood stars. And I think that was very, very important. Is that still happening today? And it's Is not there being anybody publicized? doing that? Well, you know, you know what, I, what, what, what uh, Curtis was talking about this morning? They sent this, uh, um, the, this person to the German base to entertain the kids. Uh, she was a transsexual from Germany, and the uh they they hired her to go entertain the kids of the armed forces it's a little bit different you know, than bob hope yeah, well, i mean we you know, i believe in diversity you know i believe in greek Ricans uh, like tony is uh but i believe in diversity but but when it's coming to teach young kids i think we're going to be a little more sensitive well i th- so i think the thing to do is get hollywood instead of uh being hung up on wokeism, get Hollywood to be patriots again and support our our military heroes. I think that's well, very, very important. You, let me share with you, if I may. Um, when I came to Branson, Missouri, you know, New York's my home, no matter what. You know, you, you can move out of New York, but you never, New York never comes out of your blood once you're raised there, as you know. But I, moving to Branson in 1994, we started, this is 10 years before Wounded Warriors now, a welcome home for veterans. It started out in my theater, which was a 2,000-seat theater, sold out. We sold that theater out every year for 25 straight years. The town of Branson, Missouri, hosts to this day 175,000 veterans every single Veterans Week from November 5th to November 11th. It's pretty unbelievable. It's become a beacon a gathering of veterans. It does exist. It is here. It's not lost. It might be lost in, in L.A. Might be. I don't know. Well, me, Tony, me and you are old-timers. Weinberg, Judge, you're an old-timer. Captain Mamet, you're an old-timer. We, we got to get people to replace us to do those things. I'm not an old-timer. That's right. Well, you're a new-timer. Lydia, you're, <laughs> Lydia, you're a new-timer. <laughs> Lydia, I'm glad you're speaking out. We need you to speak out. We got to liven it up. But you know what, John? The veterans are not old timers, and they respond to all ages as long as they feel your love. I understand. Well, Tony Orlando, thank you for everything you do. God bless you, and God bless America. And uh, the control room is yelling at me. We have to take a break. And uh, bless you, my friend. Bless you, you, John. Take care. And uh, stay tuned. We're coming up with General Petraeus, one smart guy. And he knows what the veterans are all about. Let's take that break. Matiti's Cats at Night show. We got a nice little rendition there of God Bless America on this Memorial Day where we honor those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. They call it freedom, but it doesn't come free. That is my number one song. I love that song most of all. And uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, we were down in Federal Hall and we were doing a a discussion about... uh, our country, and this was like six, seven, eight years ago. <coughs> and Newt Gingrich was there, this former speaker of the House, and he he is a historian. And we had uh, Democrats, Republicans, we had liberals, conservatives in that room. We had a couple hundred people. And at the end, I made everybody stand up, and we all sang God Bless America. And that made them feel extra special. Everybody felt extra special. 
Absolutely. You got I John, I think everybody, anybody that knows you, the first thing they know about you is obviously you love your family, but then you also love your country. No one is more proud to be an American than than you. I would say. I understand we have one proud American with us right now, and uh, please introduce him. General David Petraeus. What I mean, there's there's so much to say about General David Petraeus. Uh, General Petraeus, how are you, sir? Good, thanks. Good to be with you. Thanks. He's a retired U.S. Army general. He also served as a director of the CIA, and he... Um, he served 37 years in the United States Army, and uh, thank you so much for your service, General Petraeus. It was the greatest of privileges. Thanks. Uh, General, give us your evaluation of, of where the heck are we right now and, and uh, uh, with our armed forces, our, uh, Memorial Day, uh, the respect of the American people. I mean, uh, uh, I was mad as hell uh, last week when that uh, baseball manager uh, – uh, refused to sing, uh, sing, get up or sing the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Uh, give us your evaluation. Where the heck are we? Well, I think our armed forces continue to be the very finest in the world. I think that the vast majority of those who are privileged to wear our uniform would say that there is really no no greater privilege. Uh, you have a mission larger than self. You pursue it with others who feel the same way. And, and obviously there's an undeniable sense of identity uh, that goes along with all of that. It's very, very special. Uh, and I can assure you that those who take off the uniform for the last time uh, all miss it, regardless of what it is that they go on to do. Uh, beyond that, I think that uh, the Americans, uh, by and large, uh, vast, very, very much uh, appreciate what it is that those in uniform continue to do for our country, the sacrifices they continue to make. And, of course, on this day, when we remember those who gave the last full measure of devotion, as Abraham Lincoln described it, uh, is a very, very special one indeed. And it was great of you to start off with that wonderful song. It, it, it makes me feel extra special. Uh, give us your, your evaluation of let's, – let's look at the big picture. Instead of talking about – Russia, Ukraine, and all that stuff all over again. Give us the big picture of where you think our, our armed forces are in relationship to, to China, Russia. And and if you were an advisor to the president, what you would whisper in his ear right now? Well, I think by and large we are doing and have been doing um, over several administrations uh, the right thing, which is to shift our focus steadily. Uh, to rebalance, as the term is, to the Indo-Pacific, as it is now termed, to, to note the importance of India being part of the greater Asia-Pacific. But doing that while certainly keeping a very close eye on all the other challenges uh, that exist around the world, whether it's Russia, obviously, particularly high on the list right now, or the continued threat of Islamist extremists, uh, Iran, its nuclear program, its nefarious actions, uh, in the Middle East and missile threats and so forth, North Korea certainly with its nuclear program, uh, and a variety of other uh, challenges that exist around the world that would also certainly include uh, the threats now in cyberspace and also in outer space. So uniquely, John, I think what's very important to understand about our military and really about our country is that we uniquely have to keep a lot of plates spinning, to use that metaphorical image of the guy in the circus who puts a plate in the stick and gets it spinning then gets a couple more going. But also uniquely, we have a lot of friends and partners and allies around the world to help us keep those plates spinning. And those alliances and partnerships matter an enormous amount. But again, we have to keep more of these going at any given time. And therefore, we have to be prepared for the entire range of threats of challenges uh, in a way that, again, no other country really does. Um, that is what makes uh, our military very, very special. Um, and it's what makes it very, very challenging, frankly, to be in uniform right now, because you've got to be ready to do the so-called peer combat, major combat operations, but also still keep an eye on Islamist extremists and insurgents, but doing it by helping others uh, rather than doing it ourselves, ideally. 
uh, and then being prepared and deterring uh, a variety, a host of other potential threats that are out there. And uniquely, we tend to lead these various efforts wherever they are in the world. Uh, and again, I think that sets the United States apart from all others. Uh, it means that, that we have to have a degree of versatility uh, that, again, is, is unique. But I think we are very capable of doing that and that we are, by and large, doing that, noting that certainly we need to shift our procurement and research and development and all the rest of that even further into the uh, area away from these huge, incredibly expensive, also exquisitely capable, large manned platforms to increasingly uh, unmanned uh, or remotely piloted uh, over time, it will actually be semi-autonomous, perhaps even autonomous platforms and systems. All of that lies in the future. And noting that in addition to the traditional domains of land, sea, and air, we also have cyberspace now and, of course, outer space as well. And our military is preparing for all of that, constantly making changes and tweaks and adjustments, uh, but again, capable of doing all of that with the bipartisan support that exists on Capitol Hill right now uh, for those who are in uniform. General, it's uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. I want to ask you, I've been reading articles about China and Russia getting ahead of the United States in terms of advanced technology. What are your thoughts about that? Well, in certain technologies, they may be ahead. Uh, in others, certainly not. I think, um, I mean, a very, very clear example of right now is the fact that neither of those countries has produced an MNRA vaccine. Now, that's not a combat capability, but it certainly reflects a great deal about the scientific expertise that exists. And in many respects, the U.S. and the Western world, the world of our allies and partners, continues to have advantages, but we cannot rest on our laurels. Uh, we've got to continue to invest very heavily in research and development. We've got to support that. Uh, right now, a huge initiative that has to be pursued and is being pursued, to be fair, is the fact that there are no cutting-edge microchips actually manufactured in the United States anymore. The best of the microchips are made in Taiwan, South Korea. Interestingly, using U.S. intellectual property, both in the production and in the actual chip design, uh, but there are four plants, fabrication plants is their term, that are going to be uh, developed in the United States, two in Phoenix, one in Austin, one in Ohio. But we shouldn't be in that situation. Um, that went far too long uh, without being remedied. And there's a number of other uh, issues like that. Why are we not on the cutting edge of 5G? That's one where clearly China's way ahead of us in terms of the infrastructure for that. Um, so we need to take stock. Uh, we need to recognize that we, this is a very, it's a, called a severe competition, is the description by our national security advisor of the U.S.-China relationship, uh, and we have to act accordingly. By the way, that should include welcoming the best and brightest from around the world. Um, I've often said that if you can get into MIT or Caltech or Stanford or Harvard or Princeton, above all Princeton, of course, that, you know, you ought to have a some kind of special General, visa stapled to the letter of acceptance. Last last question before we have to take a break. Are we getting Chinese intelligence involved in our universities? Well, there are legitimate concerns, uh, and there have been, uh, about theft of intellectual property, uh, about efforts to influence, in some cases stifle, uh, discussion. Uh, in our universities uh, through a variety of different organizations, sometimes Confucius Institutes and so forth. Um, these are legitimate concerns. Uh, and in fact, when I was still uh, in, in government, uh, these were among the concerns that we were examining at that time together with our domestic partners, uh, the FBI in particular. Well, the so, FBI yeah, uh, tells me they only have a thousand agents to, to monitor 380,000 Chinese students. You have the number better than I do. Uh, it was always a daunting task. There's no question about that. Uh, and again, it is something that we need to focus resources on. Again, keep in mind there's more in these task forces than just the FBI, although they are certainly the ones that head the uh, efforts and that uh, are the, 
the real reservoir of the greatest uh, of the talent that is being brought to bear on those. But again, this is a team sport. The universities uh, are involved in this very, very heavily. Uh, any advanced manufacturing and, and uh, research and development organizations have to be engaged in this. Everybody's got to got to work together uh, and ensure when there is something that is not uh, appropriate going on uh, because it's helping a competitor uh, rather than just pursuing academic inquiry. General, thank you so much for calling in this Memorial Day weekend, and and we all feel. Uh, the solace of uh, of Memorial Day, and uh, God bless you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country, and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Always a privilege. Thank you. Let's take a break, and uh, we're going to be coming back, and we have Congresswoman Nicole Matutakis. We have Dr. Michalos, and we got a su- surprise guest calling in from the ball field in Staten Island. Uh, we have Eric uh, Scheffler. And let's take that break first. out to the ball game take me out with the crowd well we're back buy me some and we're and also joined by uh, my I wife margo uh, margo welcome to the studio well, thank root, root you for, for having me well i bribed her i told her <laughs> if she comes to the studio i'm going to take her out to dinner well John, good for you. Is that a good bribe? On behalf of all husbands, I say good for you. Okay. I just want to say congratulations to uh, you and WABC for uh, the whole entire weekend uh, giving it to our soldiers who we've lost and our soldiers who are alive. We've given everything we have to help them, and we hope that they've been listening. And, and we are live versus all the other stations of doing uh, replays and uh, red- whatever, redacts. And uh, we are live, and uh, we're here with live people. <laughs> live, alive and kicking. Most and uh, Lydia's kicking. Uh, Eric, uh, Eric. Hi, Lydia. Eric Scheffler. And Lydia, you got to remind us you're there. Yeah. Uh, it's really alive and kicking. I'm sitting here, Lydia. Eric, are you alive and kicking in Staten Island? Tell us what happened today, uh, Memorial Day in Staten Island, with the Ferry Hawks. Uh, you know, John, thank you. You're right. It's, it's such an important day, Memorial Day. You know, it's a somber day, a day of remembrance, a day to be grateful for all who have given so much for us to live in this amazing country. We were really fortunate today. Um, there's several ships from Fleet League out on Staten Island, and we had about 50 sailors, Coast Guards, and Marines that we donated tickets to and came out to the ballpark. Wonderful. Uh, took part in our pregame ceremony, really, you know, added a special... Uh, a special feeling to the game. And they brought us a little bit of good luck and cheer. And the Ferry Hawks came out on top today, 7-3. So we're wow! Ferry Hawks win 7-3 in Staten Island on Memorial Day. That's the big headline. It is. With beautiful weather and our service personnel, you know, in the, in the, in the stadium. It was, a, it was a great day. And, you know, listen, the Ferry Hawks are doing well. well. Hold on. Hold on. I understand the congresswoman. She hears Staten Island and the congresswoman from Staten Island, Nicole Malliotakis, is calling in. Nicole, are you there? I'm here, John. How are you? A big win today for the Ferry Hawks. It yes. Was, uh, it was a wonderful day on Staten Island, and we marched uh, in honor of our military men and women, those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, a beautiful parade on Forest Avenue as well today. Uh, uh, you know, I missed that parade. I, I remember I marched in one of the parades when I was running for, for mayor about 100 years ago, and it must have been 110 degrees. It must have been. That was the 4th of July. Oh, it must have been the 4th of July. And Nicole Mayotakis, have you been to the stadium yet? Oh, I, I've been to the stadium. Uh, I haven't been able to check out a Ferry Hawks game yet. I'm really excited about doing that. Maybe when you come out to Staten Island again for the next game, let me know, John. I will meet you there, and we'll have a good time uh, and watch the ball. Well, I, I look forward to it. Uh, and Eric, and uh, me and Eric will escort you around the stadium and show <laughs> you all the good things uh, that are happening in Staten Island. Uh Give us, we got a few minutes uh, before we have to take a break. Give us the big picture. What do you feel today, Memorial Day? Well, obviously, today is a, a day to pay tribute to the men and women who gave their lives. Uh, and as you know, I'm Greek and I'm of Cuban heritage. My mom fled a communist country. Well, so we had, me, we, we, I, we had uh, Tony Orlando, who's a Greek-Orican. Now, what do you call a Greek and Cuban? 
Well, it's a Greco-Cuban, but what I wanted to say was my mom fled a communist country to come to this great country. And the reason we are free, the reason we have our liberties is because of those men and women willing to sacrifice their lives. If I could say one thing, we need to save the VA hospital in Brooklyn and Manhattan. I've been working on this because uh, currently there's a proposal to shutter our VA hospitals. We cannot allow it to happen, John. So I appreciate uh, the help of all the people there at, at, at ABC willing to bring awareness. Uh, well, we stand by your side. And, and Senator Schumer, who, who is the boss right now in Washington, uh, if he's listening to this show, Senator Schumer, please. Save the Veterans Hospital. Absolutely. That's you know, what when we it need. comes to veterans, I don't care. Democrats, Republicans, I don't care. I just want the, the, them to save the Veterans Hospital. And, and thank you, Nicole Magnitakis, for bringing it up. Thank you, John. It's always great to be with you. And thank you to everyone listening who, who served. Uh, and we will together win this fight and make sure we preserve our Brooklyn and Manhattan VA hospitals because our veterans deserve these services. When they come home, we need to make sure that they have the health care that they need to deal with mental health issues or any other health health issues or disabilities they've incurred on the battlefield. Well, thank you so much. And Eric, congratulations on the big win. And uh, Nicole Mayotakis, God bless you. And, and God bless your mom and dad. Thank you so much uh, uh, for their accomplishments and, and raising a great daughter uh, and a congresswoman. We'll be at the Greek next weekend John. and you'll be riding the float i'm sure uh let's uh, let's take that break and when we come back dr peter michalos has some uh, good news for us it's a common sense recap of the big stories it's cats at night on 77 wabc Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. On the line for us right now is our resident medical genius, our own renaissance man, Dr. Peter Mikolos. Dr. Mikolos, long time no speak. I'm joking, obviously. We spoke to you this morning as well. So thank you so much for joining us once again now at Cats at Night. Thank you for having me. And I just wanted to remind everyone to be very proud that the oldest continuously operating Memorial Day parade since 1867 in a large city in the United States happened right here in in the New York area in Brooklyn, New York, the Kings County Memorial Day Parade. So that's just a little bit of history. And then the other thing that people often forget in the month of May that we have to remember on Memorial Day is America's first foreign war. Uh, with elements of the Ottoman Empire called the Barbary Wars happened between May 10th and June 10th in 1805. And during that war, it was the first time an American flag was planted on foreign soil because the odd elements of the Ottoman Empire in Tripoli, Libya, that's why you were playing that song from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. It's actually Tripoli, Libya. And that was the first time an American flag was planted on foreign soil. And in that battle, there were also a group of Italian cannoneers and 26 Greeks led by Constantinos Lucas, who helped the U.S. Marines win their first battle. And to this day, United States Marine officers actually wear an Islamic Mamluk Turkish sword commemorating winning that battle. And Thomas Jefferson was president. He said, we're not paying any more for tribute because they were capturing our ships and our crew and asking for ransom. And that's where the line came, not a penny for tribute. So that's the first piece of a little wow. bit of history. And also, on Sunday, I think uh, you told me that it was the uh, anniversary of the fall of Constantinople? Yes, the fall of Constantinople was in May in 1453, and that is an important part in history. Uh, by the way, let me remind Lydia, on, on the resume of Dr. Michalos, also write down historian. Exactly. So that, and John, that tell that story about how you were in the back of a cab and you argued with the cab driver when you said where your mother was born. Well, it was a Turkish cab driver. And I, <laughs> I said, my mother was born in Constantinople. He says, Istanbul. I said, no, Constantinople. <laughs> <laughs> The old, the oldest, the oldest church that's still standing, large cathedral, is a Hagia Sophia built in 537 A.D., which has now been converted back to a uh, mosque. But originally, it was well, a Hagia Sophia. And by that's and large, actually... Turkish people are very nice, hardworking people. You know, oh, aside from politics, politics uh, is politics is politics, and and uh, we'll see where we go from here. But oh, no, one of Turkey's our Turkish friends country. is one of our best friends is Turkish. That runs uh, the restaurants in uh, uh, 75 Main in uh, Zach. 
In no, South many Hampton. of our Turkish, many of our, we have many great Turkish friends. I took care of the president of the American Turkish Society, Ahmed Erdogan, who discovered the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Aretha Franklin, Atlantic Records for many years. So he was a great guy and a we great also American. Have one so running that, f- this is just history. We have one running for the United and States Senate in Pennsylvania, don't we? Mehmet Oz, yeah. a, who's and a great I, man and loves America and, 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 and saved two of my uh, uh, friends' lives uh, uh, when he was at Columbia Hospital. Absolutely, and Ahmed Erdogan was the guy who introduced him to Oprah because he knew all the movie stars when they met. So it's an interesting story. But anyway, it just that's just about the history about America's first foreign war and also the beach that that battle happened was in Derna, and that's where all those Christians that they were lining up who were beheaded, and they were actually on that same beach where America planted its first uh, for, for, first flag on foreign and, and soil. The so that was also Islands. symbolic. The Salome Islands, not the Salome, the Solomon Islands. Solomon Islands. What battle did the Americans fight there? Guadalcanal. Guadalcanal. Yeah, there was a lot. And one of our friends was down fighting in the Pacific, who's like 97 years old, Jimmy Mojavis, up in D.C., and he was also in Pearl Harbor. So there are actually people alive who experienced uh, these battles. That's why we have to remember Jack Jacobs this morning, Colonel Jack Jacobs, who's half Jewish, half Greek, uh, 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 said to me there's only one uh, World War II Medal of Honor recipient left. He's 99. Yes. Oh, I guess Absolutely. we're at the end of the show. Dr. You Michalos, guys do a great job. Thank you so much. And Captain Ed Mamet, thank you for coming into the studio today. Uh, Judge Weinberg and Margo, the Margo, thank you. And I promise you to take you out to dinner. And I won't forget Lydia. I yes. won't forget Lydia. Lydia, God bless America. I feel like you're my, by my side somewhere today. <laughs> Thank you so much. America, God bless America. And God bless you. We need a blessing. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.